Welcome to Cult Film Interview, the podcast where you discuss the films you love, but no one else gets, and we see if they still hold up. Tonight, we're taking a trick. A trick? Nope. We are taking a trip. Here we go. Tonight, we are taking a trip to Stockholm. Syndrome, that is. Because we're talking about the Night Porter. So let's start the show. Your Hollywood system stole our sex and co-opted our violence, so there's nothing left for our kinds of movies. Oh, hi, Mark. <laughs> Where in the hell are we? Want a day? If I want your opinion, I'll beat it out of you. This whole thing is turning into a theatrical mockery. You understand that, Mike? Stop eating my sesame cake. I'm so sure. Just look like you like me, and let's stand on. No. Wolfman's gone hard. You know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. What did I say? No jelly roll. I get older, they stay the same age. You can't piss on hospitality. I won't allow it. Okay, motherfucker. <laughs> Thanks for joining the cult. We really appreciate it. Do us a favor. Head over to iTunes. Leave us a review. We will give you a shout out at the end of the show. Then when you're done with that, head over to cultfilminreview.com for all your cult film and review needs. You can also pick up t-shirts there. And then t-shirt. T-shirt. Then July 5th. I don't ever you say it's so fun like that. I just want to say it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> then July 5th. Join us at Phoenix Film Bar for a hard ticket to Hawaii. Should be a good time. They can get tickets where, Chris? The Film Bar, PHX.com. Got a lot of giveaway stuff going on at that show, guys. Hell yeah. yeah. Sell it, Chris. We got to put Jesus. that out there. We got Sell tons it. of stuff sent to us. Like perf- We got Frisbees that we're going to be giving away. So Fri- Fucking Frisbees. Hey, yeah. don't, be, don't be advertising that. We're going to keep those. Oh, <laughs> no. Kyle's keeping the good That's stuff. for the fans. Yeah. Hey, you, work, you worked in retail before. You know you keep the good stuff. That's what you do. The film bar, phx.com. <laughs> Get your tickets. As always, I enjoy. Get your good stuff. <laughs> Bye, Cosmic. Hey, how's it going? Chris Wilmer. Hey, what's up? And Michael Salustio. Hello, everybody. Tonight, we're talking about The Night Porter. It was directed by Liliana Cavani, and it came out in 1974 and currently sits at a 68% on Rotten Tomatoes. This was Mike's pick. Mike, why'd you pick The Night Porter? Well, it's a long story, Cody. Get ready. <laughs> Almost longer than this film. <laughs> um, so, uh, having been sitting down with my girlfriend, we were uh, going over some stuff, looking into magazines and stuff like that, and she shows me this picture right here. And I'll show wow. it to you. To the camera, you can catch this out on the YouTube when it comes out. Okay, oh, okay. but it is a picture, and I'll describe it of Kira Knightley uh, in uh, on in a seductive pose with overalls covering up, and she's covered up, and she's got these long uh, uh, nipples. What? <laughs> no, well, Cody, those are called gloves. Oh, oh. These gloves. long gloves on, right? So my so my girlfriend's like, that's a that's a pretty photo, right? And I was like, yeah, it's a good one. You know, it's a nice photo, nice cover. And she said, um, yeah, it's from that famous cult film. And I was like, "What famous cult film?" And she's like, "You don't know, like the the uh, the one the famous Nazi cult film." And I was just like, "What is it called?" And she's like, "The Night Porter." Have you ever seen it? And I was like, "Yeah, of course. I'd like run a cult film podcast. Of course, why have I heard this film? I had not heard of this film. Sure, <laughs> and I did not know what the hell she was talking about when she was talking about it. But she was like, "Yeah, it's that Nazi cult film. Really popular. It has that memorable scene of her dancing and stuff like that." And I was like, "I have no idea what that is." Mm-hmm. And I said, but, you know, let me read into it first before I pick it. So, a few <laughs> days later... A few days later. We get a fan pick. We did. We got a fan pick from I'm a Punce, and uh, the request was for the Night Porter, and the description that says, tell us why we should review this movie, uh, simply says, this shit is fucked up. 
<laughs> so that's it, okay. huh? That's yeah. that's literally well, all it fucking says. <laughs> right after I read this review, I'm thinking, okay, Ima, my girlfriend. That I'm, I clearly think it's my girlfriend playing off as okay. a character called Ima Bunt. <laughs> Got it. So uh, I I I I interrogated her. Yeah. No, it's a real thing, and yeah. it just seemed like a, such a weird coincidence. And I was like, well, I feel like this is like some kind of destiny kind of thing. I should probably review this film. And um, here we are. Here? And it's all thanks to Kira Knightley. We are. Ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, Kira Knightley. Knightley. It's where it all started, yeah. Um, Going back to the beginning, you know. Had anyone else in this room heard of this movie before? Kyle? Um, I heard, I've heard the title. Um, just because of collecting of Criterion films and stuff, and I get all of their newsletters and I follow up on it. So, so when stuff is announced or released, I tend to find out, or from Brother Ryan. Um, but I've never seen it, never never read about the synopsis or anything, so I went into this one really cold. What about you, Chris? Nope. Had no... Had never heard of it. Um, you know, I, I'm often... Uh, well, I, I feel like we're seeing the Criterion logo come up a lot in a lot of films that we've been doing lately that might we might consider cult films. I didn't know it was going to be on the Criterion collection that it came up, and I was like, okay. And I, it just made me kind of reflect, like, what does that mean to me? Like, when I see that logo, mm-hmm. like, what is it? What does it set me up for? Like, yeah. you know, right off the bat. And so I was like, okay, this is uh, this 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 is obviously in like some kind of high regard, you know, in some way. So sure. So yeah, that's all I knew going into it was like, all right, I'm in for some more, maybe something more artistic. I will say when I downloaded this. Um, when I, uh, legally acquired this, I mean, um, I was a little, (laughs) I was very confused because of like the screenshots I saw online. I'm like, wait, what is this? And I actually was like, well, this isn't what Mike picked. There's gotta be a different Night Porter from a different era. Because it's not this one. It is. It's a, it's about a, um, a brewmaster. Brewmaster called the <laughs> yeah. Night Porter. With the, he comes so up with his his most perfect brew, it, the Night Porter. It's a famous beer, and it gets stolen by his friend Billy the Stout. <laughs> <laughs> good one. Yes, and I can't yes and to that one. <laughs> that was just too good. Just leave it. Anyway, so yeah, I had not I have not heard of this film uh, either. Uh, I didn't even know what I was like. A, what the fuck's a porter? That's what I said. That's a it's a yeah. it's a, no, a, chunk, I, <laughs> a chunky beer. But I mean, I didn't think that's what the movie was about. I didn't think there was a specific night beer that you had to drink. <laughs> um, yeah. So I was like, "What the fuck's a, a, a night porter?" I had no idea what that meant. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I went into it blind. I just, I again, I hit, I hit play, and was just like, "You really Whoa. need to start reading synopsises or well, stuff." Uh, he, I, I mean, I so just like Chris said, when uh, you get an issue, like I feel like when now that we've been doing this. When I again, like Chris said, we've done a lot of Criterion Collection movies at this point, and I it, it, it brews a feeling in me too, uh, which is like I'm probably not gonna like this, but okay, like go in with an open mind, maybe I will. Usually, because it, it tends not to be my my Lady Snowblood was Criterion. There's some of them that I do like, and that's why I'm saying keep an open mind because there, there is there is the ones that I do like, and I kept an open mind with this, and I thought this movie was going. Sorry, that was me. I thought this we movie fucking update. He's trying know. to get. He's trying to keep his computer working. Leave him alone. He's got to <laughs> yeah. get those security updates. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you got to patch Patch Tuesday, bro. Yeah. Patch Tuesday <laughs> <laughs> coming up. Um, I as this film was going on, I was expecting a different turn for it to take than it did, mm-hmm. which I think the front of the fe- film kind of sets up differently, and then the second half. I don't think anybody going into this blind could ever, yeah, see where it goes, where this go, where yeah. this is 
going. No, I was just yeah. kind of staring at the screen. Oh, yeah. Kind of ingesting I it. I mean, no, it, me, me too. That's exactly my watching experience. It's a great yeah. way to describe it. The yeah. psychology of going into it also of, well, not only the Criterion logo being on it, but like the artwork that they use to, you know, like you, it, does, it doesn't scream. It's a very subtle way, but you know when you see it that it's Nazi related. Yeah, you, you know, yeah, like, if, if it's yeah. the one where it's her and the, the, with the suspenders the with the suspenders and, and stuff <clears throat> like that. You, you can, yeah, even you, if you're not getting a close up view, you're like that hat looks familiar. Well, and also <laughs> yeah. like you can kind of see the 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 shape of a Nazi symbol possibly uh-huh. behind her in yeah. red. You know what I mean? Like it's definitely the symbology is there, and you can pick it up if you're familiar with it. But it's like, yeah, it does look. Actually, I feel like that that artwork makes it look a little more exploit exploitive mm-hmm. than maybe what I feel like I got okay. out of this movie. All right, you know what, though? I think it's time for Plots with Mike. All right, so, yeah, The Night Porter. It is about uh, a night porter, uh, which is kind of like the head of the bellboys, I guess. Um, I think that's what a porter is. I think he's the uh, night desk uh, clerk. Uh, clerk. Okay, so he's like the desk clerk. Second okay. line. Um, so- <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, you didn't I don't Google porter, porter bitch. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so he works the night shift at this hotel, and uh, there's some weird stuff going on in this hotel. You find out that this guy actually was an ex-Nazi officer, and he is hiding out with a bunch of other ex-Nazi officers, uh, and they're trying to keep a low profile. They have managed to uh, elude the authorities so that they have kind of gone into hiding as normal, regular people taking normal, regular jobs, but they still all talk to each other because they are constantly worried about getting caught. Um, turns out they were under the assumption that all the people that they, that they, um, were, uh, assigned to, uh, look over, uh, during the concentration camps, they were assumed that they were all dead. So they had no witnesses that might think of anything, right? Uh, turns out one of them actually did survive and the night porter recognizes her as she walks in with her husband, uh, to the hotel that he's in charge of. And it turns out to be this woman that he terrorized for a long time uh when she was in a, you know in prison in this concentration camp and uh so you think that something's going to happen what actually turns out is that um the husband this woman's husband she he he's a conductor and he leaves to do some orchestra shit and um she actually has this weird infatuation with this Nazi officer that basically tortured her this whole time and uh, it becomes romantic, and they find their uh, this Nazi offer is trying to rekindle this sick uh, infatuation he had over this woman uh, without, of course, being caught. Because all of his other Nazi officers, he knows if they find out, they're going to kill her. And uh, he's trying to protect her from that kind of death. So he goes out, he ends up killing a few people to tie up some loose ends. And uh, that's basically it. It's this weird, sick sexual affair that happens uh and the two of them are trying not to get caught there you have it let's take a break when we come back we'll talk more about the night porter klaus klaus perhaps there are no living witnesses but if there are can't we leave them in peace let them forget even if it says a thousand persons on paper ten thousand it still makes less impression than one witness in flesh and blood staring at you that is why they are so dangerous max My task is to seek them out, wherever they are, and to see that they are filed away. Max, our trials are held in private. They're also therapeutic, right? And the more shock value they have, the more effect they have. 
Let me ask. Let me ask you this question because I think uh, you know, Chris. When you asked it earlier, I think that's. A, I would like to know the answer of everybody here. When you hear Criterion Collection or Criterion, what do you think, Kyle? Um, I think uh, when I hear Criterion, I think it's a carefully curated collection of films that. Um, they don't. It doesn't stick to one specific genre, but it's carefully curated in a way that these are films that they feel are important in some way, be it um, from a creative aspect, from a storytelling aspect, or pay homage to directors that have given a lot to the world of filmmaking. So that's kind of what I go into it. You know, it's a lot different when I than from when I when I see like a Shout Factory or if I see. Um, what's the uh, other one that does? Oh, vinegar syndrome. You know, with vinegar syndrome, I think is it a porn? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Should I trust the t- just the title? Yeah, we'll see. It's called Slapskin. I don't really know <laughs> what that could be, but it yes. could be a horror. It's film. actually about a Maybe- k- killer mannequin with a skinned hand, <laughs> or it could be about a bass player. We're not really sure. It could be slapping <laughs> the skins. No. Yeah. So, or Shot Factory. I'm thinking '80s cheesy horror movie mm-hmm. you know what i mean so yeah criterion is the one that catalog where i think i'm getting i you know what i think i think i don't know what i'm gonna get but it it'll probably be interesting and it'll probably make me think mm-hmm. so that was a really long answer there you go i thought oh, about it great answer thought about it what about you chris um did you already say no i don't no. think so kyle <laughs> just kept going uh which was yeah. good it was a good Talked answer and and i do agree obviously it's a just a um, a distribution company that curates what I believe are just highbrow art house films um, of all genres. Um, and I don't mean our art house can be a broad term for just, you know, creative filmmaking like direct you know directors that tend to push the boundaries or do something different or unique or their films have some kind of culture major cultural impact or you know it it it, it maybe it opened the door for a lot of other things to come like i think they're really good at at, at picking those films out carefully yeah. and curating them and and so yeah I, I like that it spans a bunch of different genres because Honestly, Criterion's hit or miss for me personally. You know, like I don't love everything that they put out. I'm like, okay, you know, some stuff is okay. I, I will just uh, really quick before I, Mike, before you go, I do want to say, I don't know if I would agree with the statement of highbrow. I mean, they just put out Jackie Chan's Police Story and Police Story 2. I guess, yeah. I, I mean, that's what I think of when I think of the films that I've watched Art on Criterion's, sure. coll- Criterion's collection. Yeah, I might not go watch Police Story, but so, you know, I'm a mistake. Well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, like, I get, I get, I get. Police Story Two, Chris, but yeah. Police Story One. Yeah, nobody <laughs> saw Police Story Two. Maybe Police Academy. I would definitely <laughs> go watch. Criterion's Police Academy. Yeah, <laughs> they're released with all those special features, dude. What about you, Mike? Um, no, I don't. I don't necessarily think. Yeah, I kind of agree with Kyle. I don't. I, I disagree. I agree to disagree with Chris. <laughs> it's what okay. it is. That's what I'm really trying to say here. I don't think I would say that they're necessarily highbrow. I think that what you, what I expect to get when I get a Criterion film is that it's an important film in some way, or at least deemed important in some way. I mean, even if you look at our past like picks, like I mean, it ranges, right? Like mm-hmm. Ghost World is on Criterion, mm-hmm. um, House is on Criterion. Those are definitely two films that aren't there is, um, necessarily highbrow. I mean, House Equinox. is not highbrow. Um, Equinox. Equinox was on. Yeah, yeah. And that's a terrible fucking film. <laughs> um, it's just, yeah, th- those films, I think it's just 
they might have an an important historical aspect to them. Like with Equinox, it was because, you know, the guy went on and did yeah. Star Wars. Yeah. So it's like, all right, well, let's see where that comes from. It's not necessarily... A, isn't all the Godzillas now on Criterion? No, they have all the Toho. The Godzilla. Toho, okay. The, well, no, I'm sorry, the Showa, the Showa era. So okay. that's the early... Basically, from the first up to like 1970. Got it. Yeah. Um, you know what? I will say we kind of get the um, get the short end of the stick when it comes to doing Criterion on the show because generally we all watch these movies uh, via some sort of streaming service or the Plex. And I will say the the thing that I like the most about Criterion stuff is all of their inserts, their liner notes are written usually written by film historians mm-hmm. that. Quite honestly, there's films that I've watched. I'm just like, why the fuck would they have this? And you read the liner notes, and it's almost like enlightening. You're like, wow, I never even fucking knew that. And they go into like the history of either the country was at when the film was made, the history of the topic, what they were actually touching on here and there. And the liner liner notes are f- so full of of great information yeah. that actually makes the filmmaking experience a little bit better after the fact after you watch them. And you unfortunately can't do that with streaming stuff well i mean that's what keeps companies like criterion alive is that they put the extra care into giving you something more yeah especially with the physical like physical is dying we all know that but there are certain companies that are still putting the extra care into giving you a reason to want mm-hmm. to own it the same with like i feel like the resurgence with vinyl they started doing them very cool and Correct. very collectory you know what i mean so so that's what i feel like criterion is doing right is taking the extra time to give you that that specialness, you know, yeah. special information. I watched this film on the Criterion channel because I was a Filmstruck member before and then they, they that went defunct. But then the Criterion, Criterion made their own channel. I will say that I was actually a little disappointed that they didn't have any special features, which I thought was kind of weird. Yeah. Like normally I'm used to that because at least on Filmstruck it was like, so I would get so much extra, like when we did Great Gardens, for instance, that was a Criterion film. Mm-hmm. And it had a whole documentary about it, like how it happened and all yeah. the information behind it and like how it all came to be. And like, it's just something that you can't pull off like a Wikipedia page or something like right. that. Not even on the second sentence, Cody. No. Not even on the second sentence. I'll try. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah, you, you, it's just, um, it, it, I think when, I, it, it comes off to me like they're very, they're more academic in their approach mm-hmm. to releasing film as where Shout Factory is more, uh, I don't know, it's nostalgic? Nostalgic. I'm not saying that they don't have great special features, because yeah. they do. They have yeah, wonderful they special features. I guess that's what I mean by when I say highbrow. Well, see, like, is that they are go-taking a more academic mm-hmm. approach to a lot of these movies well, that's, that they that, release. That brings me to me. Uh, and what I, I thought you started us oh, off. Oh, you asked a no. question just to ask yeah, yourself. What, what do you think about Criterion? <laughs> no, so I'll tell Cody. you, Cody. I would have. The, I would say my perception is kind of the same as Chris's in the fact that maybe not every movie is highbrow, but for some reason, to me, a lot of their stuff kind of feels snooty. Like I guess I'll put it because chasing Amy's on Criterion. Yeah, I I know. There's a there's there's a lot of films that on there that I wouldn't say are snooty, but I'm saying some of them. They just, I don't know. They, they, there's a level of, I don't, they're not, they're not for everyday film watchers. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's for everyday film watchers who are just, mm. you know. I think for cinephiles. For like, cinephiles, they're definitely for cinephiles. Okay, I, I see. What you mean by everyday every, film watchers, like some dude off the street? No, or are yeah, you talking yes, about yeah. a film fan in general? Like, no. are you saying that you're not? 
I'm saying like the guy, the, the guy who's going to see just you know the blockbusters in in theaters or yeah. whatever. You know, I mean that's true. But Joe I think, Schmo, the co- but, the Cody's of the world. But I feel the like every <laughs> the cult film like interview even, podcasts of the world. Even <laughs> the most casual moviegoers have that one yeah. classic that they like. I agree. Whether it be like Psycho or something like yeah. that, like it. I feel like it's normally The Godfather. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Scarface. Yeah, but like I those. I wouldn't necessarily say, I don't know. Yeah, maybe you're right. You're right. Yeah. I don't think there's a guy, I don't think a casual moviegoer goes to Best Buy. Really, they don't go to Best Buy anymore at all yeah, yeah. to buy a DVD. No but Again, even when they yeah. did, I highly doubt they were like, oh, but it's on Criterion. Yeah. <laughs> Let me well, get the Criterion. I mean, yes, I think people do do that for what's left of the physical yeah. medium. Mm-hmm. They do go look for Criterion now, or Shout Factory that, or Scream Factory. Now, don't get me wrong. I think their their library is unique, and I do think there's they have like really good films, and I like what they're doing, and I like I like their their aspect of it. But if it wasn't for this show, I don't know how many of their movies I would I would have watched exactly. before. Yeah, exactly. That's the that's the idea. I think you Where, have films on Criterion or at least Janice that yeah, you no, don't know that probably, you even own. Probably. Yeah. But the, I, I'm saying some of the, like, more or not, there's films on here that I, I would have never. I w- yeah. I'm going to make a, I'll make a recommendation to you guys. Next time we do a Criterion, if you just go to their website and look for that movie release, they actually throw, I'm, I'm looking at the Night Porter right now on the website, and there is one, two, three, three film articles or essays mm-hmm. on the specific film, mm-hmm. which I That's think awesome. might be helpful for us. Again, yeah, yeah. Especially for, for, uh, uh a highbrow film. <laughs> As Chris would call it. I mean, look at, they got a whole fucking website here to like to tell you all about at, this. They got a website, look guys. At, guys, guys, I bet their mobile works. They curated that. <laughs> this isn't you know a what? Their mobile probably thing. fucking works. Yeah. I, uh, so I was wondering how to approach this and I think I was going to go into my uh, of what I thought the first half of this film was. Okay. Um, so basically, it, and it does a really good job of this, uh, going into it, it, it's, to me, it felt like a very slow burn of a thriller story that never. I don't went, know why I just thought of Michael Jackson's Thriller, but yeah, wrong Thriller, uh, and 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 the and it never went. It didn't go that route because there's there's they do a really good job. What I think of building this tension between the two characters once they do see each other, you know, oh shit, something between them mm-hmm. happened, um, and then he starts following her, and you're like, oh, you know, he's going to kill her. That's what I thought. Yeah. Initially, I think that's what his initial, maybe even his initial thought is. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, I can. Can I say like, really, going back to being prepared or not prepared for what the film was like when he first sees her, and then also just flashes to some insane ass shit mm-hmm. of her getting filmed naked. I'm just like, what the fuck is happening here? <laughs> yeah, like you know, you got inklings. You're like, okay, this guy is definitely. Definitely like a Nazi that's hiding out here. But then also in that shaft, you're like, where is this going? So as those flashbacks are happening, too, I'm thinking the same thing. And I'm thinking, oh, this is going to be like uh, uh, a scorpion. Oh, tell me out here. Yeah. Female prisoner. Yeah. Female prisoner. I thought it was going to be. I'm thinking it's going to be okay. We're going to get a revenge movie. Awesome. Down for this. You know, I, I love to see some Nazis get their ass kicked. Let's do it. Who doesn't? You know, and then it just doesn't go that way whatsoever. I thought we were going to get more of a Nazi revenge kind of. Yeah, or not Nazi revenge, but a revenge, you know, victim's revenge, I guess. Yes. On, yeah, for sure. Honor her torture. Um, yeah, I, I, I. the flashbacks, going back to what you were just saying about that, um, 
that felt real grimy. Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah. then they set it up because it's like, well, you get this big cluster of people who are completely naked in line together, you know, stating their name and their religion and t- giving information about themselves uh, to these SS officers. And so you're already, you know, and you, you've already kind of got the uh, idea that he's taken a liking to this one particular girl. Yeah, because he's just filming her, mm-hmm. Lucia. And and so, but but the when it really got grimy was when the group split and they were all just huddled around, kind of around her, kind of paying attention, kind of not paying attention, trying to uh, ignore what was happening. And they're just shamelessly filming this poor naked mm-hmm. girl who's I I don't know what's her age in this movie. Uh, I'm imagining she's like probably 15. Yeah, I, I mean, teenager, in, right? In, in so. the camp, yes, yes, in the uh, camp, yeah, in yeah. the camp, yes. Yeah, he says little girl later. This on takes in place the film. in 57, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Is, is, is that what it, it does? Okay, so yeah. Yeah. we're looking at it could be 10 years. Yeah, yeah, it could be 10 years. So yeah, so so you know. You're you just already feel for this one this one character that there's yeah but that there you feel like there's going to be like an attack of some kind yeah right because yeah. I mean he's taking such an interest in her yeah. um well see the thing is like with the first couple of flashbacks like I didn't I didn't really put the dots together when we're just seeing her getting filmed like I just thought I thought it was I didn't put the I I didn't put really put the dots together that she was selected from that bunch until it was probably the third or fourth flashback when you see him kind of actually mm-hmm. pulled her aside. Yeah. And oh, just it's, like, oh, I see what the hell fuck's going on it's here. Tra- I got it right away. It was straight from the get-go. When he splits the crowd and just walks up to film yeah. her. Yeah. I, I like, guess I didn't uh, recognize him right off the bat either. Oh, in, yeah. In his, in his yeah, get-up. It's, it's, yeah. it's yeah. Max. It's, um... Well, here's the thing. So, so Max has a few things that he does, right? So he is an SS officer that is shooting film and pictures, well, but he's he, also a doctor. No, he's he, pretending to be a doctor. He pretends to be, yeah, he's a, he's an asshole even on Nazi, yeah. <laughs> Nazi standards. This is, um, yeah, this is kind he of... He lies and he says he's a doctor and he says and he says he's doing this for scientific purposes, essentially, or medical purposes. And uh, But what he's really doing is he's essentially shooting pornography within the concentration camp or at least filming... Weird, sick, uh, disturbing sexual acts. So I'm trying to figure violence. out what's his, what's the reason he's doing it? Is it just because he has a fascination with it? Uh, yeah, I think that would probably be relatively accurate, especially uh, considering the people that are around him. Did we, did we, did we mention? I, I'm sorry, I kind of, I kind of zoned for a second there. Sorry, guys. Um, did we mention that he, uh, one of the not, one of his fellow Nazi guys, um, Stated that he was masquerading as a doctor, like yeah, he wasn't yes. actually a doctor. Yeah, yeah. yeah. okay. He cool. seems well, we'll just... to be very. <laughs> I'm just making sure I'm up to no, date, no, here, okay. guys. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I guess he just seems to be really important. Like for some reason, yeah, everybody think... seems to think he seems like he's like the leader or I... something. No, um, no, no, I wouldn't what... say that. No, yeah. uh, what it is is well, not the leader, their group. But... Their group is focused on is hyper focused on him right now because it's his turn to go through the shit, the trials, the mock trials, the mock, the trials, mock trials. Yes. Yeah, it's his turn. They've gone. They've all gone through it. They've all cleared out any evidence that might point them back and it's like Max is the last one like we gotta do this gotcha. shit and he's mm-hmm. he's definitely like the most like kind of reluctant of it because he seems like he definitely wants to just leave the past as is and just not he's, drum up old shit well he seems to have some kind of terrible regret for what he's done but um, but then again uh, that doesn't really point to what he does in the flashback, I don't like, necessarily think he has regret for what he's done. I don't know the way he's um, kind of reacting no, to certain things. I'll he, say, I'll say this: he, um, 
so this film de- deals real uh, very heavily in um, um, shit. What's it called? Stockholm syndrome. Yeah. Um, I feel like um, what happened is until he sees her, I think he does have regret and doesn't want to drum up this shit. But then it's almost like when he sees her and those memories get reignited that he almost like starts to throughout the film, he starts to slowly transition and turn back into SS max versus Mm -hmm. night Porter max Mm -hmm. and all those tendencies and those thoughts and those urges that he had start to actually surface themselves again. And also I like, I like to know that like his, these people that he's hiding out with, right. They even kind of suspect him. They even talk a little bit about his, Behavior. Negative, yeah, behavior and stuff like that. Uh, they even make one point, and he, and he even says it like, "I just want to be like a church mouse and just be unnoticed." Yeah, be unnoticed. But keep in mind that these these other officers that are hiding out, they're still very, very loyal to like the Third Reich. Like they still they, believe in the whole concept of yeah. this coming back. You know, they they're still Nazis. They're loyal right? followers of yeah, that. But uh, I do yeah. get the impression that this guy is just like, I just want to survive, man. I don't fucking like. I just want to fucking. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. I, I guess and I think they look at that as being problematic to them. I'm wondering though if this story, and 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 I, I'm not saying that I take took mm-hmm. this away, but if this story is presenting itself in a way to where it's like he got, yeah, he was in on the the whole, you know, uh, running this camp like mm-hmm. with these group of Nazis and stuff. And he fell in love with a, you know, with a prisoner. And then his attitude changed towards the situation in a sense that, because he was trying to protect her, you know, mm, he was always uh, trying to protect her. Yeah. So, no, that, so here, here, I'm not saying I agree with it, but I'm just saying I kind of got the vibe like maybe I think he had second I thoughts like about were, what he was doing because steer, of this scenario. I want to steer the conversation away from any word of the word love. Because I just don't think that that ever shows itself in this. Well, no, I don't um, think there. I, I I agree with you. I don't think I don't think love is something that comes into play in this film. They at de- all. It definitely comes into play because he even has several lines where he's like breaking down and saying, right, "I love what, you." What I'm saying is, there's a difference between love and obsession. Yes, and I, this is not a situation that well, I, I believe I'm saying is yes. A, that's your subjective perspective. I'm saying know, in, like the in the movie, he the words, actually but, says okay. these, the, these this <laughs> no, dialogue. But he, th- this is this is this is like captor. That this is like captor and, and captive relationship type thing. He, yeah, I get he, it. I'm just I, saying I, I, it's not that love. It's you don't, don't want to hurt people that you love. So I'm not arguing what love is. I'm saying this is a a subject that they bring up in the film. Right. I don't think I don't think either character I don't I don't know about her, but I don't think it definitely for Max, I don't think he understands what love is. I think he has an idea of what I think he does say love, thinking he knows what it is, but he has no idea. I mean, and and if we want to say he was remorseful, the one scene that I can think of where I don't think he shows that especially I think he's calm throughout the film because that's just the tonal choice that the director chose, but the scene where he's describing uh her singing that song and dancing around and then giving her a severed head of a guy who bullied bullied her in the concentration camp, he is like gleefully excited in telling that story. Yeah, and that's kind of what I was talking about with um with Max's change to the film, because I that that really comes at closer to like the the last forty five minute mark mm-hmm. when we get that story, and that's about the time that he leaves the hotel. But he has this he has this 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 he like morphs back into like Nazi Max, and I think that's why you start seeing these 
part where when he's talking about stuff, it's it it goes from talking about it where it's like I just want to be, you know, I want to be left alone. I don't want anybody to know who I am. To the point where he's gleefully remembering these things because I think I think what happened was. When she came into his life, it I think Chris was kind of on the right path. That I want to disagree with what he was saying about um, like the character and the the relationship. I think it is that Max is a person who, when he was in the SS, I think he was in a bit of a position of power. Being the night porter, he's literally everyone's slave at the hotel. He's he's a slave to their wishes and their whims and whatever yeah. whatever they want of him. I think she coming back into his life kind of ignited that sense of purpose and control and command and that's that's the transition that we start to see him go he go, he stops being this kind of mousy quiet leave me alone to taking more of like a command like st- like standing up for himself and for what he wants which is a I, is a bad turn he basically takes a step totally backwards in his life and goes back to that that stuff well even that. if you think about his initial lie to the regime like you I mean he's saying he's a doctor um, he's not a doctor, right? So, it, like, what does he do? He takes he takes on the position of this person of authority, right? Mm-hmm. And uses that to basically kind of and, and keep in mind, like, yeah, all all of his things that he does with Lucia it, is a power thing. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's all about domination. Yeah, right. that's what gets this guy off is the domination part of this, right? I so, think that- um, I think you're right, Kyle. I think that this this position that he's in now, mm-hmm. I think that's. Like, the, it's almost like the real world, in the real world, he's this type of guy. Right. But in his fantasy world, which the Nazi regime allowed him to become, right, he got to be a fucking monster. Right. And he's, like, been hiding, but the moment he sees this girl, he remembers how good that felt. Right. And now he's going that way. Yeah, and as for her relationship, like, I don't think... You know, Cody, I, I think you were mentioning about you don't know where, where she's on this. I don't think it's love either with her. It's almost like, uh, I don't know. It's almost like she was, it was like a sense of control. And it's almost like he still has that power over her, regardless of how much years have passed. And she's almost like she just fell right back into character. Like, this is my position with you, and this is it, and and I'm going to follow suit. I feel like psychological damage, yeah, definitely. Fuck, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, so um, it's a very sick well, relationship. Going back, like, yeah, Stockholm Syndrome, right? But, like, yeah. it's almost like, and they make a point to say it, too, when he uh, gives her the sever head, which is towards later in the film. Although you get a good impression of what's going on here. Right. Like, when he picks her up the first time, and then all of a sudden you kind of see the this sick relationship kind of progress, you see him giving things to her and giving her special treatment and whatnot, right. and I think it becomes what essentially is this sick Pav- Pavlovian response, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that now he's this protector, which I essentially think that's essentially what Stockholm Syndrome is, right? Yeah. Like, that's how people dupe themselves into thinking that a person of authority is on their side, yeah. is that when they've taken away their freedom, they take everything away, and they're the only means of giving something back. Yeah. Right. You get attached to that concept of reward right. system. It's a sure. sick, disgusting thing. And it's essentially brainwashing. It is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So with that being said, like I, I can see how people can read that into this film. 100%. My only problem with it that I had was when I was looking up stuff, I was like, and I don't, I don't, I, again, I'm getting my information from Google and I'm not an expert in this, in this stuff. But from what I understand, when St- Stockholm Syndrome was discovered in 1973, this movie came out in 1974. 
So I would imagine it was probably filming either during 1973 or just... thereafter uh it was the it was a um what was it, it, it norman strong bank or something like that robbery uh where a hostage crisis was best known for the origin of the term so- stockholm syndrome was 1973 okay, right so what's your point so my point is is that i don't think the filmmaker may have had enough time to really understand or know what stockholm syndrome was if this is where the origin was in 1973 when the film was released a year later i would imagine I they would know. have been filming at the time where the term that. was was deemed and that's well, where I kind of have a problem with this film. They don't say so Stockholm say, Syndrome in this movie. Yeah, they don't. And, no. and keep in mind that like, just because you don't give a name to a disease or a psychological syndrome does not mean that people don't know that it exists. Right. Like People knew what cancer was before it was deemed cancer. It was just that thing that you got that pe- made your people made people just die like people knew what the black plague was they didn't know it by its but, scientific name or what caused it by any means but that doesn't mean that people don't understand the effects right of it. i just don't know if the the filmmaker to me i just don't know if the the, the filmmaker was consciously making that decision oh, but, but i think you've there seen is, but you know listen, hold, i'm sorry I'm sorry. Gonna, go ahead. there's yeah. plenty of research to that has been done on like nazi like brainwashing and like like psychological you know like testing and and all this stuff, like the, to pull from, to like say that it it it's possible that if you capped if you put somebody in captivity and you're their only provider, yeah, they're probably going I, to I, fall I, for I, you I, again. I, again, I wouldn't disagree with that. Had survivors not seen this movie and disagreed, what? well, of course, like no, like, right? But look, that's like I understand what you're saying, right? Like, but. Yeah, if you look at it at a lens, um, are you are you asking me if I think it's a perfect understanding no, of no. Stockholm syndrome? I, yeah, I don't like. I don't think this guy was trying to make a treatise on like the concept. Uh, the guy, I'm sorry, the woman, woman yeah. was trying to make like a well, whoever wrote it, even too. I she don't was, know. She, she was wrote it as well. She was a writer. Okay. She was a writer. Um, I don't. You know, it. The no more than I think that Hurt Locker is a accurate depiction of what PTSD is or coming home from a war. Like I don't. I don't look at that movie and go like, yeah, I bet you that's what it's like. I'm sure there's some truth to it, but you know what? That's hard to capture, man. Like, I get it, but like, what's your argument? You're saying that people that have experienced Stockholm Syndrome are saying it's not like this and it's not like this. No, no, I'm saying I'm saying that like that's how the survivors of the Holocaust were describing this movie. Of it's like, no, that's not really what like that's not really gonna happen. Oh, you're saying that like, they're disagreeing with the fact that a woman would fall well, in, in love. love with, I, yeah. I'm sh- yeah. Well, Dude, yeah, this is I a don't story. Know, I think we're talking about so, survivors of yeah. Stockholm syndrome so being know. like, that's not how Stockholm syndrome is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is and a story. Being, and be, uh, obviously, and being 1973 when Stockholm syndrome was, th- that's where I'm connecting the dots of where I don't know if this d- director, again, like you said, Fully knew what or understand what she was was talking about. I think there probably are stories of film? people of of relationships well, that probably I, happened for, in these situations. Well, well, we don't, sure we there don't, are. None of us actually know these facts. Hold we on. don't. But yeah. I mean, whoa, 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 whoa. I. But we we do know we do know one thing. There was a Nazi youth. There were Jews that they used to turn in their own people. Right. Uh, we do know that there were instances where people took a side. Uh, right. And it was the wrong side, and maybe they were out of fear, or maybe out of brainwashing. I mean, to uh, listen, here's the thing: like, even when you think about all the atrocities that happened, right? To me, like, to get to a level where you, I think everybody's capable to some extent of being so scared out of their mind they do things out of sheer. Definitely. Oh, I don't, dis- fear, I don't disagree with right? that whatsoever. And I'm sure that a lot of Nazi 
soldiers who rightfully should have been judged and prosecuted as as such yeah still probably look back and go fuck man i was in a that was a i mean the situation i was in like i made a really bad decision but at the same time man was i fucking scared yeah you know i I'm I not think, trying to I show think, sympathy yeah. for Nazis, yeah. but I'm just saying that um, I think there's if, a there's a way to get a person to that place. Yeah, I, I think <laughs> if any if anything, the filmmaker is capturing the well documented cases of brainwashing that the that the Nazis See, I, did, and I, I think this is kind of a piece of that or a slice a, a slice of a fucked up life. See, and I got I got I guess I got a different view of it. You know what I mean? Like if, from from my perspective of watching it, I didn't, especially on the the second half of the film. After you see like all the kind of things that you know she went through, and the, then the mimicking the same acts like that they're doing, you know, now uh, in the, in the present time or what's perceived as the present time. Uh, and I do think it is depicted as a love story in this, even though like I don't think either character is capable of love because they're both. Uh, I don't know how to this even describe. Disturbed. The, yeah. I don't even know how to describe them, uh, but I do think like it is like the director is making a love story, which set to that backdrop to me is just ugh. well. Let, let's talk about one thing too, and this is my my main thing about this whole thing that I'll agree with you on this, Cody. Yeah. Um, one of the things is like I would never know exactly what was going on on the other side of this thing because Lucia doesn't get very much of a fucking story, does she? No, she really doesn't. She, the, nope. the that weird was thing really about, frustrating the shit out of me. Yeah, actually, the weird thing about this is that it's a movie called The Night Porter, and they really were fucking not joking. It is only about him. Like he yeah. is the main character. He tells the story. He's the narrator. It's all coming from his point of view. Essentially, yep. you get a few flashbacks of her like remembering things that happened in the camp. It's usually being submissive to him. We never get. And we never get a verbal uh, uh, answer as from her as to why she was so infatuated to an extent, right? Right. Even when even when the other Nazis confront her, and it's like, let's you know, let's get you out of here, like, type of and thing. Ask, and like, like why her, would you do this? Her like, her, rea- her her reaction just like just go no, go. Yeah. And at it's just like, point, give me fucking something, please. No, at that point, I mean, she had been. I would just say tricked she was into up. submission, you know, it mental submission well, I understand with that, this person. But what I'm saying is, is I don't need to, I, I could have heard that from her mouth. Like I, I, I commend the director for using visuals to try to explain this sick thing that happens and where her, um, right. you know, how she gets infatuated with this Nazi officer who treats her, uh, terribly, but is treating her better at least than all the other people in the camp, right? Um, but this Nazi guy gets to tell the whole story verbally. Like, all the dialogue is his. Yeah. He says exactly where he's coming from, exactly what why he's infatuated with her, right. but we never get one in, one word from her as to like, well, um, here I was in this camp and right. understand it it's from true. my point it's of view. True. And yeah. that's a real big fault in, for, in terms of this script that bothered me about it yeah i totally agree with you on that too but the thing is is it a fault in the script because if that was in there then it would make give you some reason to feel remorse or pity on him on max he max already no you you as a audience watcher you so you you're thinking you're you're saying if the director had gone that route you would run the risk of actually making the audience Feel for him, sympathize, yes. with, sympathize him. with him. Yeah. If or we empathize. hear more of her, empathize. Yeah, yeah. If she it. was, if she was like, I see, I he see. Pr- he protected me mm, in there, and he's the only. You know what I mean? Well, like, true. We, don't, we don't even know if that's the answer. They, because, no, we don't. Yeah, we don't. they would have taken the route. But, no. but there's two choices you can go. 
No, and Cody's got a good point There's there. There's not two choices. There's she a lot be, of choices. Yeah, well, no, she could Mike, trick she, him. She, she could do a lot of things. I think my, I think Cody may, may, makes a very good filmmaking point there because I would probably really struggle with that because from my perspective, if I was making this film, it'd be like, do I really want to? Um, do I really want to showcase where she's coming from and and run the risk of potentially making Max seem more of an empathetic character because then I'm selling something I don't want to fucking sell. Really? Because I feel like the only character that's ever even allowed to even show any remorse or empathy is him. Had she even been able to say, like, I'm stuck here, I hate this every single day, but this is my life. Like, even if she said something like that, I'd be like, well, that's pitiful, and I hate this guy. Like, there's a million things she could have said. Also, if they attached you a bit more to her, then maybe his actions would have seemed even more extreme, you know? Because that's the thing, is like, yeah, because I didn't know her other than she was a striking-looking woman, you know, like, in this situation, like... I didn't feel terribly she, connected. She is a striking woman. Actually, when she first came on scene, uh, on scene, I think that's why I thought I was getting more of kind of like a revenge to her because yep. she's got a powerful she's actually, fucking look. She's a, a good stare. Mm-hmm. She's like a... I mean, you'll, you'd recognize her if you saw her now even. Still an actress. Still acts. Yeah, Charlotte Rampling. Yeah, she's been in a lot of stuff. But I was just um, saying, I like. I feel like she command. She had a commanding presence well, I think and I was, thought I was going to get more yeah. of her being kind of... Like, I thought she was going to take the opportunity to be like, turn this motherfucker in right, type right. of thing. So, I, I, yeah. And I, from what I've read about her, I didn't even know this because, I mean, I'm too young to really know. I wasn't in this decade. But I guess in the 60s, she was like a huge deal. Mm. Like, she was like a sex symbol in the 60s. Okay. Like, she represented like swinger culture at the time. Or the oh. 70s, I should say. That's funny. Um, well, well, speaking I, of the visual elements of this film, I did want to make sure we talked about the fucking cinematography in this movie because... I think it's fucking fantastic. I think it's the best thing in this film. It's, it is the best I, thing in this film. I love the way the camera moves. I, I will say, however, I did laugh uncontrollably in the first three three minutes of the film. It just cuts to a random Dutch angle of the hotel. I'm just like, oh. That's how you shoot hotels in the 70s. <laughs> Get throw a Dutch angle. Get that goddamn big ass, Dutch angles. Like Rosemary's Baby. Fucking can't stand them. Yeah, can't is. stand them. Yeah, I... Uh, yeah, I thought the cinematography was good. Um, I, I guess I'm not wasn't as impressed maybe as you were. I I enjoyed it, but it did feel just very. It felt kind of like TV. Well, oh, I thought movements in some parts uh, to I, me. I gotta yeah, I, I gotta say the 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 iconic scene mm. in this, the dance with the overalls and her in the Nazi uniform. Yeah. Um, it's not shot in one take, from what I could tell. But it felt like it was shot. Yeah. yeah, and I, I kind of it's like five I, minutes long too. I definitely appreciated the fact that it almost seemed like they switched to like sixteen or eight mil for all the flashbacks yeah. to give it yeah. just that, a disgusting, grimy kind of yeah. vibe. It like I think just it was. It's to, it's it to sold mimic that shit the, even more. The, well, I think it is to mimic that that they actually had footage from the concentration camps yeah, right. that they were doing on eight millimeter cameras the whole time. Sure, I mean it, it definitely gives you that. Feeling. Yeah, it makes you feel sick. Yeah, real <laughs> sick. Well, all the backdrops are these like grimy, like it looks like a like I don't know. It was just very imposing and very you know, and they're all just hanging out, perched over, watching. There was like a huge choreographed dance element to this movie. Well, I feel let's like. talk about the yeah. There's the one dance that from the one Nazi officer. Yep. Yeah. Uh, who, by the way, great ass. That's the best ass <laughs> I've ever seen on a Nazi. You know, I have to um, say, I just didn't. 
expect it. That was one of the things about that this was film that kind of shocked I, me a little I, bit. I, I, I was do, like, all right. I do think it set, and this actually comes relatively early in the film, I do think it sets um, a, a picture that these people are kind of weirdly depraved and sick. Yeah. Not not saying that, like, there's, I mean, there definitely is a, like, a homoerotic aspect to it. The guy's in a total G-string and he's dancing for, essentially, what might be his friend at this, I, I don't know what he's a whole bunch of dudes. Representing. Well, and, first he's just in regular clothes and then it flashes back to him in the G-string with all the SS officers around right, watching. But, but, and the weird thing about it is that, like, homosexuality was not tolerated in the Nazi regime. So there's d- definitely that weird aspect to it. There's even, a, like, a rape. A man-on-man rape in this film. Yeah. That um, I think these early shots are are trying to show that these Nazi officers are are here to be disgustingly, are monsters. Right, yeah. Like, this is... I almost feel like they were trying... I I, I took it as, like, yeah, like, outwardly they were anti-gay, you know, or whatever. But, like, maybe, like, the higher ranks, like, they were involved more in this kind of thing. I think that they were trying to paint these officers as even worse than maybe even actual Nazis. Right. Like, that this was a group of depraved Nazi officers that were simply there to impose their disgusting really practices on helpless people because they could because the Nazi regime allowed them to do so. Yeah, yeah. That's how I took this as is that these guys were even worse. If there's anything worse than a Nazi, but like You think this is the ultimate. I think yeah, I think if I think if 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 Goebbels had like <laughs> had heard about this, he would have shut the place down and had them executed. Gotcha. Like, I don't think that, like, yeah, I don't think Hitler would have been cool with this. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Kind of thing. Not because he was worried about the human rights, but because this he was like, like rogue these group. people are fucking not representative of what my perfect society is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so, wow. I mean, it almost makes it a horror movie at that point. Yeah. To me. Well, it is a horror movie. I, feel uh, like. I mean, yeah. I mean, to, without, but the problem is that there's no real, the victim in this has a weird infatuation with the actual That's oppressor, which makes this movie just off the walls bonkers and stupid. Um, yeah. Well, but not because that's a real thing that would have, I mean, we've decided this is a condition that happens I, to I people. Mean, yeah, but like, to, like I don't want to, hold on. I want to say to Cody, I didn't want to, shoot you down completely that this is some sort of accurate uh, yeah. understanding of Stockholm Syndrome and how it works. Like, people do this all the time. Like, they take diseases or whatever and they expand them into a horror film, right? Which I, essentially is why this feels that way because I do feel like, yeah, I think Stockholm Syndrome is... I, I can't... I don't know what that's like, but this is an extreme, weird kind of exploitation of it. Mm-hmm. That yes. feels really kind of sick is a when I'm watching of it. it. This is a corner of it. This is a yeah. corner which happens to be, as described, you know, Nazi exploitation in this case, you know, where it's it's a story that exists in this sect of, like, mm-hmm. uh, uh, films and history. I mean, let's be honest. But yeah. it's, it's an exploited version of that history. Correct. And, you know, and it's not a history that we should, that, you know, we could argue should even be exploiting no. because it's dark I don't, don't want to take you know did you want to say something I'm sorry no no keep going keep okay. going I, 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 I do want to say that there is a <laughs> oh, I'm sorry there is the people who love this film who defend this film say that the understanding is um, that this is actually a story about that was trying to capture post World War II Europe's um, this hovering 
like aspect of Nazism that was over them still, mm-hmm. even after the war. Like they were still there, the thoughts were still out there, the concepts were still out there, and that they were still so among they, us. They weren't over it essentially. <laughs> yeah, because this is a sleeper cell to some extent, right? Like these guys they're are hiding out. There could be out, your neighbor. And they're talking about yeah. possibly starting up the Reich again. Right? Yes, of course. Yeah. But. There I thought that been, was a terrifying aspect of this movie, actually. It was very scary, but yeah. I've heard really cerebral under, like def- defenses on this film that suggest that it's really supposed to be saying that at this time, Europe was trying, like, it could have went back the other way or something. Mm-hmm. People were having a hard time escaping the Nazis yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. and the whole horrors that they faced. So it's an aftershock. So you know? it, it was, to them, I've heard that this is almost a brave kind of like really uh i don't know really like like an artistic artistic presentation of what they were trying to say now i don't know if you guys agree with that it's brave i think yeah i think think? i think anytime you touch this genre Mm -hmm. it's either stupid (laughs) or it's or you're trying to do something you're trying to push a boundary, of course, and you're trying to get people to understand something in a different way. And I don't think this one was tre- mishandled. I mean, like, t- like there are plenty of films that have to do with Nazis that are way more exploitive than this movie, that are way more uh, bad taste, way more uh, rude, like right. totally offensive to J- the Jewish community. Like there, like there's been a lot of them done and like, if I had to put this on a scale between, you know, with those films, like this is probably at the top as far as taking it, you know, it's an art film and it's a weird perspective on a dark time in history, but they do it in a way that's like professional, you know, and presented in a way that's professionally presented, not like, oh, this is funny. Like Nazis are raping people. It's like, oh, I don't know how I feel about this. It leaves you kind of questioning what you feel about it. I'm really just trying to focus on whether or not everyone here is weighing this as an artistic like uh like uh, like uh, like a message they were trying to pr- produce or if this was like a purely exploitive i i thing. Th- i think uh both both <laughs> yeah okay i honestly right. think both I, I like here's the thing is like I think um the backdrop you could have told the story and not used the backdrop of the holocaust and still got the same point across uh, i think the holocaust was used for shock value like that's mm-hmm. my that's my personal belief, and I think it's it leans more towards sex exploitation. It, 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 at points, like the, it, it never makes you feel. I don't think it ever makes you feel bad enough because of her being somewhat in the position that she's in and like, be in love with him or whatever the, the director is trying to depict. It never allows you to. I feel like really hate. Um, Max until the very end when you're like okay nothing happened that I thought was supposed to happen mm-hmm. <laughs> Ugh, Um, what was the question it's a lot to unpack how, how, how much how would you weigh this in terms of artistic message some sort of uh, cerebral attempt to explain post World War 2 Europe or is it really using is it really heavy on the exploitation they're just using the Holocaust backdrop to get shock value. Here's the thing. Here's the thing with exploitation films. Exploitation films uh, exist uh, as a cash cow. Mm -hmm. It's a quick cash grab, right? How do I make a movie that's going to make me a bunch of money for dirt fucking cheap? Bunch of gore, bunch of tits, whatever. Um, 
this film doesn't fall in that category for me. Um, I think this is this is an this is an art film. I think the director's trying to convey um, a message or a story, possibly about post-war. Mm-hmm. But I feel like where the director stumbles is her attempt to convey. I feel like. Uh, major aspects of the story that is vital to the audience through only visual storytelling. Um, that can work in a lot of films, but in, but if you're not, if, if you don't have your visual storytelling like nailed down, it then is, is on the audience to ask the director, well, what exactly did you mean with this scene? And I feel like some of that happened a little too much in this film. Okay. And I, so yeah, I, to answer your question, I do think it's an art. It, it's, it's, it's definitely, an art film trying to say something, but it, I would not call this exploitation because I don't think that what we were presented with was presented in as weird as it say in an exploitive manner. It wasn't just gratuitous; it all played into the psychological damage that had happened to both of these individuals, mm-hmm. especially her. You, I, before we say psychological damage, at least for Max, I'll say, speak for Max on this one. Do you think he was psychologically damaged because of what he did, or do you think he was already fucking that depraved? He was already that did. fucking depraved. Yeah, yeah, so who else? Yeah. I think, I think who else? Established, who else um, would lie and say you're a doctor to get into the higher ranks of the SS just to take fucking video yeah. of people? Yeah, just, just to be you gotta in, have the, that in that. In you that, that he 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 is a sick person from birth, basically. I yeah, think. I don't think there's anything. <clears throat> I actually I actually don't know that I see anything that even the filmmaker tries to. Um, depict him as any kind of sentimental creature. No, he just sort. comes off as like irritated about the whole thing almost. Like he's kind of like, I just want to get this away from me. Like, well, okay, I just want to get it away. Like, I think there's stop. something to be said that, that, <laughs> that even the, the Nazis within his group, these sick people, uh, find him to be abs- insane. Like the woman who apparently, I, I don't know what rank she was supposed to be. Oh, the woman that's in the room? Greta? Greta, right. The old woman that's basically treating like a queen. Um, Is her name Greta? She, I, I can't re- remember. Yeah, that, sounds, um, that sounds about right. But anyways, that, she she's definitely Countess. a Nazi. She, yeah, she's definitely a Nazi. They make a point that he says, well, if, you know, if we get caught, you get caught. You know, like she's not innocent, right? Right. But, so, which leads you to believe that she is a sick human being. But as he's telling the story of the dance and all the shit... Um, even she says to him, like, you're fucking insane, man. And he's like, I love her. I found my little girl. Fucking, you're crazy, man. Like, this is absurd. Mm-hmm. Like, she makes a point to say that he's batshit insane. Certainly, yeah. yeah. And I think, yeah, I mean, that, that says something when a sick human being tells another sick human being, you're sicker than I am. You know? Yeah. I, th- I don't think there's anything. Now, what I will say, um, to your point, um, the ending really does. It feels like it doesn't do justice nope. to her. It doesn't, do, it doesn't feel like it does justice to anyone. I'm like, I was trying to figure out what the what the end what they were actually trying to say with the end. I'm like, okay, so number one, if you're trying to to disappear and and never go back, why the fuck do you keep your Nazi uniform? Like, <laughs> well, I think, like, uh, well, I, I will say that that I mean, the way I took it, it was a an a, a um uh artistic symbolism for like he's not letting go of his past no i i think what we talked about earlier kind of touched on that which was he i i I think i i agree with the assessment of his character he's somebody who 
this is who he would be in normal real life. He mm-hmm. lied his way to get into the SS because he wanted to be in a position of power. And someone like that doesn't strike me. It it doesn't strike me as someone who would give all of those memories up to some extent. Like he's still going to remember the time when he was in some level of power. So he would leave. He would hold on to that suit. I did find that decision on his part fucking reckless and incredibly stupid though because mm-hmm. it's like what are you doing like you you were one of the you were you were one of the nazis that you, you son of bitches that got away <laughs> with what you fucking did and you're gonna hold on to some evidence like yeah. the fuck out of here worrying about people and witnesses and one left and, and shit and you got a, you got got a the, uniform got hanging goddamn, out goddamn yeah smoking gun hanging <laughs> in your fucking wardrobe <laughs> no, I'm surprised, your fucking bureau I'm surprised, uh, I'm surprised Klaus didn't check the closet <laughs> <laughs> I'll answer that question real quick I do think this is more of an art on the art film scale I think that it, like an Ilsa is more of the mm-hmm. exploitative, yeah. exploitative, oh, incredibly exploitative tits and gore. What you're talking about? This is. is definitely more on like the artsy, trying to make a statement kind of side of this. Yeah. It just happens to be on a backdrop that's like really like untouchable in a lot of cases. You know, and and I'll say this, I'll say this because I was thinking about it too. Uh, Ilsa is a movie that definitely, even though I know. That the filmmaker is simply making an exploitive film for the sake of it, that film actually leaves me with a sicker feeling in my stomach mm-hmm. than this one because that one is gratuitous. Yeah, that one is simply using Nazi symbolism and propaganda to sell, put asses in seats, mm-hmm. and <laughs> that I think that that the fact that the fact that that's the case carries. A heavier weight on that movie when you watch it. Of course, I watched. Remember, I think you you came home when I because I was just scrolling through and yeah. I was like, oh wow, they added this to Netflix. Like, all right, whatever, I'll fucking watch it. Yeah, yeah. And it was just like, oof. Yeah, I remember a, you being like weirdly disturbed about it. Like, yeah, like you're like, that was that was fucking rough. Yeah, yeah. Ter- yeah, it's terrible. Well, this apparently is a part of like a whole film, oh, they Italian did a whole film cycle. series. She did like six or seven movies well, or some bullshit. I mean, like this, this, but it wasn't all Nazi. Yeah, I mean, but like even Sallow is included in like this collection collective of films that came out around this time in the seventies. Like these shocking art house slash slash Nazi exploitation. Yeah. yeah, like films. You know, like there, it, it's definitely among a, a list of a bunch of them. So this was a yeah. this was like a trend of something that was well, happening. Pushing these boundaries, trend. you know, it's taking yeah. place in the seventies. Thirty years. 30, 40, or 30, 20, 30 years after the war, I think yeah. things are getting lost a little bit. It's not as fresh, so people feel like maybe it's not I too soon to try to... Push it. Yeah, push it or try to make some kind of big thing. And let's be honest, the 70s are all about making artistic expressions that make people There was a lot of that the, going on. The yeah. 70s are all about, yeah, ex- exploitation. The 70s are about money flowing freely for filmmaking is no, what that's, it is. That is, and, that is and, also true. And like you're in, you're an era where you pitch two sentences and someone's like, here's 50,000, 50, go make it. Mm-hmm. We'll put it out. And it's like, you got fucking everything in the sink mm-hmm. that got made. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, guys, let's take a break. When we come back, we will rate this Mammer Jammer. What a madman. She was my little girl. She was very young. And now she's not. Yes. Yes, she, she's exactly the same as she was for me. Oh, Max. As she was then. I've never seen you so much in love. 
I thought she was dead. What a romantic story. <laughs> no. No, it's not romantic. And we're back. And it's time to rate this Mammer Jammer. So what are we rating the Night Porter? Well, the fans uh, requested we rate it Wishes. And... Uh, Either we didn't pay attention to the film enough. Yeah. <laughs> not, not really sure. Wishes, what hey, that's, we're going to have to come up with something. Not really sure what that's <laughs> referencing, but uh, I'm uh, uh, rated at five Wishes. Oh, I I thought you uh, this they rated, rated it five wishes. Yeah, they rated I'm a punts, it, it, right? Yeah, yeah. Punts. they rated it, it five. Like you wishes. were rating it five, but yeah, I was like, you're just going you're deep in like that, right? You about, about to, come, that, at right? you no, about no. to come at me, bro? <laughs> no, I won't come at you for your rating. <laughs> All right, let's <laughs> do this. Let's start with I man, I don't even know who I want to start with. Oh boy, D- deal them out, dealer. Didn't someone complain about being second last last time? <laughs> I, I think, don't know, man. I don't think that was last complains. time. It was the time before. I think, he, I think it was. It was the time before last. <laughs> <laughs> it was a time before last. All right, then let's start. Oh, you know what? I'll I'll go first. Uh, I'm. Oh, this is really hard for me to rate. Um, one and a half. I'm gonna go with a one and a half on this one. Uh, the reason I would go with a one and a half on this one is uh, just for me, not my type of film. The subject matter is not anywhere clear the close to my favorite. I don't think they do a good enough job distinguishing things to where it doesn't seem like this is just a girl who's in love with a Nazi. And somehow it's... I, I just I just don't... I don't like the way that it's portrayed. I, I really don't. Um, this is... For me, this was one of the most disturbing and hard films, the hardest films I've ever had to watch for this podcast. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, if, see it if you want. I wouldn't recommend it to anyone. Um, I can see the artistic, how people can see the artistic value in this film, and I would understand if you do think it's an artistic thing, but um, I think it was the wrong backdrop to, to use and um, can be considered by many a slap in the face, uh, and I wouldn't blame them for seeing it that way. Uh, but one and a half because it is shot really well, and um, I thought the music was well played and played into the tone. I think they did set somewhat of a stoic and um, uh, uh, I, I, I would say almost marble kind of stone feel to, to the whole film. Um, I definitely think that there was, I don't think there's any malice in this film, uh, and the director was definitely trying to say something. I just don't think she did it right. So I'm at a one and a half. Uh... Kyle, try to do that fake. Try to do that fake out. <laughs> Shifty eyes, over yeah. Here. Shifty eyes over here, <laughs> glancing the other way. <laughs> we, we all knew what you Kyle. were thinking. It was Kyle. Yeah, this is a hard one for me to rate as well. Um, I I can't necessarily say that um, I enjoyed myself watching this movie. That this movie is a real. Uh, it's it's a lot. It's there's a lot to unpackage. And it le- it left me with kind of a grimy ugh, kind of feeling when it was done. I feel like my watching experience was as stoic as Max's whole, like, you know, I feel like persona yeah. in this film. It was just cold, and I'm just kind of like, I'm just kind of digesting what's being given to me because it's for the show. Um I will say from a production standpoint and from a filmmaking standpoint, I think it is a wonderfully shot film. I think um, the director has a, or the cinematographer, 
They have a good eye for um, establishing scenes, establishing mood, establishing tone. The music, like you said, Cody, helps a lot. We didn't really touch on it in this film, in our, this discussion. Uh, the one thing I also think we didn't discuss a whole lot, if we did, we maybe barely touched on it, was um, acting performances. I think the guy that played Max did an amazing job. I think he did a great job. He embodied the disgustingness and the 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 of, of that character. Um, the other actors in the film all also did, I think, really solid performances in it. Me personally, this is not a movie that I think I'm going to revisit. Uh, one one and done for me uh, because it is some real strong, some real heavy subject matter. I think I even texted Mike this. I was like, "This is a heavy fucking film." <laughs> Dude, <laughs> when I was watching it. So I'm going to come in. I'm going to come in at like a. I'm going to come middle of the road. I'm going to go 2.5 because I definitely see there is some artistic um, value to it. There's some artistic. There's some artistic creative choices that are happening in the film. But other than that, I can't really give it a whole lot with the story for the story it's trying to tell because I don't think it succeeds. Chris. This isn't a genre that I ever really cared for. Um, uh, as we were talking about, this definitely seems to be more on like they're taking like an art house approach to this genre. Um, it wasn't as intense or as extreme as I thought it was going to be. Again, if you go look at, I guess the the series of films that are all that's lumped in with Sallow, I think is a way more extreme film. Um, this one definitely uh, was leaned on the drama and romance, if you could call it that. And honestly, I just felt like this movie was way too long. It was very boring. Um, it was, you know, like the dance scenes. I'm like, okay, like they definitely like started losing their charm after like three minutes of it. All these scenes that just dra- drug on weren't powerful enough f- for me to like get really sucked in. Um, and yeah, overall, I-, I don't know. I guess I just thought this movie was boring. <laughs> That's the best thing I can say is like, you know, it wasn't terribly sh- any more shocking than I would expect from a Nazi exploitation film. Um, and it just lasted too long. I'm going to say two because, yes, I think there's competence to the filmmaking. I think there, there she was trying to do like some kind of deep message. It is a controversial topic. Um, so, you know, it kind of checks some boxes of interest. But overall, not a movie I would revisit or really even recommend because... It's just an acquired taste, and it's for like a. I think it's for somebody who's like a really a cinephile that's trying to find some deep shit, deep cuts, you know. Um, so two. Mike, I'm gonna give this a two and a half. Um, I mean, for a lot of the same reason you guys say. Like, I mean, I just feel like I agree with Kyle. Great acting. Like that's something we didn't really talk a lot about, but uh, all the performances are really well done. Um, cinematography obviously is a gem. Um, there are shots in this as disturbing as they are to watch, that are just beautifully shot. They just are. And um, I do think that, um, you know, that the director was maybe trying to go for some sort of message, you know, a deeper meaning. Uh, but, like, I think we all kind of established, we all feel like maybe she didn't exactly hit that, uh, if she was. Uh, I feel like this feels like a film that was really... It was it was kind of being it was a tug of war between maybe an artistic message that they were trying to say and a um, like the money and shock value 
and I feel like maybe the shock value kind of won that fight a little bit. It just it, the way it seems to me is that like somehow some even the way they marketed this film when I read about it, it it's supposed to be called like this big shocking thing. Let me get to go to the theater. It's so shocking. Like I feel like yeah, there's a lot of exploitation involved in it for a film that seems to be trying to say something deeper. Um, which is why it it seems like it struggles to try to figure out what it is, and it kind of just comes off as like a really schlocky film that wasn't just it wasn't put together right i guess you know figure out what you want to do um other than that i would recommend this film to somebody because i think there are some beautiful shots in it and i think there is it's a challenging film to watch and if you like to watch challenging films and try to figure out uh try to put yourself in a very uncomfortable place uh go for it but um this is not a movie for the faint of heart it's not a film uh for people that um don't like to see this type of uh, exploitation. And, and I agree, like Nazi exploitation is something that is hard. It's a hard pill to swallow. For sure. <laughs> you know? Um, so uh, if you're not into that kind of thing, I wouldn't, I wouldn't take a peek at it. But uh, again, technically well done and great acting. And there's something to be gleaned from this. I, I mean, I can see people taking, for instance, this magazine, like it's now looking at it, it's very clear that it was inspired by that. Obviously this image is somewhat, uh, has inspired somebody artistically. Sure. To do it. So, um, well, that, that, that begs the question, you know, like, well, so Nazi exploitation, I think inherently we look at it as like a bad thing, but clearly it's inspiring pop culture. Um, yeah, but I don't know that they're trying to like inspire Nazis with this as much as they're trying to inspire that scene necessarily. It's an image. Yeah. And maybe the person was like, that was a beautiful scene. Maybe if we take out the Nazi hat, (laughs) yeah, we can make this a little bit. Uh, ambiguous and like not about. Yeah, I mean, I don't. Nazis, do, I, uh, if they're I mean, referencing it, uh, the movie, though, yeah, then, they're, they're not. I, I think they're they're, they're, re- they're referencing just the the image of her the standing, the of, of her standing there, leaning yeah. against the pillar. I suppose like, Madonna probably did a look like that at some point. Yeah, I just I just think <laughs> it, it was it inspired somebody based on that image. Yeah. You know, okay. I don't necessarily think it's well. It's because... powerful imagery from a film about Nazis, so I'm just kind of you know, it's just interesting how it like kind of permeates our culture, even when it doesn't mean we're necessarily referencing yeah, yeah. the subject matter of where it came from. It's a style, you know, a style that's being borrowed mm-hmm. from something that became popular because I guess it's a cult film. You know, I guess. This would be considered a, a oh, it's a definitely cult a cult film. film. It, yeah. it, it's it's listed every every yeah. any place that I read about this. It is definitely considered a cult film mm-hmm. for uh, doing some unique stuff with some very very difficult subject matter. Unique at a time when again. it was pretty fresh, actually, to be touching. I f- this uh, no, I mean, no? The Nazi, I will say Nazi exploitation films have been happening w- almost right after the war. They started coming mm. out. Okay. Yeah. Oh yeah, like the fifties and stuff. Yeah, right? yeah they were okay, there. Yeah, they were yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. People were using. You're right. This is a theme that I mean, it's a weird. It's I a mean, subgenre that has has a long lifespan. Oh wait, maybe just a, as art usually is used to to deal with dark the darkness of our our humanity. Really, you know, as we 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 use it to interpret those those crazy things that have happened. Cool take. <laughs> 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 I got so deep right there. My mother was like, as as the world dude, he, shifts. He went so NPR <laughs> on that. I was like, dude, this sounds like a goddamn I, professional I, I right you, now. I thought I wasn't on Cold Film Review anymore. Yeah. 
I, real. I, I was went down a very the, existential path I for like, a second. Shit. I was like, what the Jesus. fuck is going on in the night porter? <laughs> oh my God. All right. All right, guys. That's our show for this week. Do us a favor. Head over to iTunes. Leave us a review. We will give you a shout out at the end of the show. Uh, when you guys are done with that, head over to cultfilmandreview.com. And check out all the things that we got on there. Maybe uh, pick up a t-shirt. T-shirt. There you go. And then after that, <laughs> follow us on social media. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter at ColtFilm underscore review. Review. You can find us <laughs> on Instagram at ColtFilm and review. Uh, and then uh, on uh, Thursday night at 7.30 p.m., Pacific Standard Time? Pacific Standard Time. That is correct. Standard. Uh, You'll be able to talk with Mike on our YouTube channel live about the Night Porter. So make sure you guys uh, show up for that. That should be really fun to do. We have a great discussion about that, either that film or the podcast itself. Um, and you can do that with Mike. Uh, and then like and subscribe there also. Then you can Ring the bell so you get notifications. There you go. T-shirts. Uh, you can follow Kyle you can follow me on Instagram at coldfilm underscore Kyle. You can follow Chris at coldfilm underscore Chris on Instagram. You can follow Mike at, at Mike Solistio on Twitter. And you can follow me at VHS Collect on uh, Snapchat and Instagram. That's our show for this week. Remember, if you're going to join the cult, make sure they watch good movies. We'll see you next time. <laughs> <laughs>